welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode 168, for Saturday the 31st of August, 2019. Coming up this week, I've just finished writing my sixth book of 2019. I start writing the seventh next Thursday. It's been a subscriber fest this week, with my book sweeps leads being sent over, plus three of my own giveaway events concluding. I'll be sharing the surprising results from those. And I'm back with BookBub, submitting two of my books for featured deals this week. And I've got big news about that. First, though, I'm going to be sharing my tech toolkit for indie authors on Monday, the 2nd of September now. I can't believe where all this news is coming from. And as it's happened, I didn't think I was going to have any time to record over summer, but I have had time to record the diaries. So it's going to be a long diary today. The tech toolkit for authors is pre-recorded. I already know that's over an hour. So I'm not going to put the two together. It seems a bit of a waste. I think it's better to roll them out separately. So podcast diary as usual today, Saturday. And then on Monday, look in your podcast feed and you'll get my tech toolkit for indie authors. I also think that episode is so handy. It's quite nice to put it separately where people can just access it straight away without all the the preamble beforehand. So tech toolkit on Monday. uh, And I feel this summer a bit like a chef who's bought too many ingredients. I can't put all my portions in the freezer, unfortunately. So I'm just having to run the podcasts on different days. But hopefully uh, you'll be feeling much less than shortchanged this summer. I know that Edwin Downward was really worried that he wasn't going to get his summer fix. But don't worry, Edwin, it's all sorted. You've had uh, more than I promised you over this summer. That's as much a surprise to me as it is to you, probably. Okay, so let's start with all this news. There is an awful lot of news this week. I've been writing uh, on Friday, 23rd of August. This is last Friday at the time of recording this. I'm I'm kind of catching up with myself just because of the way that I'm recording the diaries. Friday, 23rd of August, I wrote uh, 5,070 words, and that was a 5.30 start that morning. Can't say I'm really enjoying these early starts over summer, but, um, you know, everything's getting back to normal very soon, and I won't have to be up at the crack of dawn. My I really like my writing times of 10 o'clock when my wife goes to work and being finished by the time she gets back. It it keeps me in the morning when I'm fresh, but I don't have to get up at an unearthly hour. I also wrote on Sunday, the 25th of August. So I wrote 5,229 days on Sunday. One of the things really key to do on this podcast is to let you know uh, when I hit barriers and when I have struggles. And on Bank Holiday Monday, it was a Bank Holiday Monday uh, on the 26th of August in the UK, I wrote 4,229 words. Now, um, I had a real struggle of a day on that day. So I was up early again. It was a 5.30 start. And I came to write. I've been busy over the weekend doing stuff. And so I kind of came cold to the writing that day. I'd got my notes because I've planned the book and expected to just open the notes and write. And I looked at the notes and... I realised that I just wasn't happy with it. Uh, the, the way I'd written the story, I, I, I was stuck, basically. I'd, I'd reached a kind of plotting crisis. Um, so I also, that day, woke up badly. I think that was part of the reason for it. So um, I kind of, you know, you know, when you go to sleep and then you wake up and you think, oh, I should have another hour left before I have to get up. And then 
I looked at the time and it was 5.30. I had to get up then. And I really didn't want to get up then at all. I don't wake up with an alarm, by the way, when I do this. I'm usually awake at that time in the morning. The difference is I drift off rather than getting up. So I woke up badly. I fell into a plot hole and I, I was looking at the writing and I had a bit of a panic, to be honest with you, because I thought, crikey, I need to be writing my words today. Um, and I'm not ready to write. The, the story's not right. This, I'm not going to write this because this is not right. This is not, not where the story's led me to. So I had a bit of a panic. And what I ended up doing was in the first hour, I, 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 I replotted. I looked at what I'd got and I was able to do some writing. So I was able to take it up to a certain point, but I realized pretty quickly that I was not going to be able to, to do my 5,000 words that day. Now, what I did is that didn't massively trouble me because I told you last week that to keep myself on budget, I didn't want to overwrite this book. I don't want to overwrite the next two books too. I've, I've budgeted a certain amount of money for an edit. I need to keep that money pretty well on. So I don't want to be budgeting for 50,000 words and then paying for 60,000 words. I need to keep it to a 50,000 word book so that I can keep as much of my money back for advertising. So I was quite happy to do that because because I'm a finisher completer. I needed to resolve all these numbers in my mind. And in actual fact, by writing the words that I did, I, I actually just wrote myself to where I should be, which was about 45,000 words on that day, just uh, you know, all thereabouts. So so I, that, that brought me where I need to be. So I wrote what I could. And then I had a little bit of a panic. And I thought, oh, crikey, this is just, um, I can't get this story. I'm just not ready for it. Um, to write it. And I, I think I had a writing day the, the day after maybe, um, but I, I just wasn't ready to write. So I did some shuffling. I looked at my dates and I thought I need more time for this. I need to get this story finished before I, I dive into the next one. And, and this is the problem with me doing the very rapid writing and releasing that I'm doing at the moment. There's so much to do. And I almost don't have, I don't have any maneuverability for a hiccup. I can't have a plot hole because uh, I need to be writing fast. Um, I just, I don't have any time for hiccups. That's basically it. So I looked at my, I looked at my sheets and I was very, very grateful. I dropped Julie Cordner a line. I was just looking at when I need to have books ready for, playing around with the diary, looking at maneuverability, uh, all the usual things I do to squeeze my time and my, and, and my schedule. This is why I like to schedule ahead because when I can see it on paper, I can often see the gaps and the tweaks and the things I can shuffle so I can still hit targets, but I'm just moving things around, just rearranging the furniture. So uh, I dropped a line to Julie. Um, Julie was able to slip delivery of one of my later texts for two weeks. And that two weeks bought me all the time I needed to shuffle and to, to build in more thinking time. So anyhow, long and short of it is, is I, I was supposed to be writing these, la these last chapters sooner. I actually wrote them today, which is Friday as I record this. And I, I gave myself basically a couple of days to think it out. And where did I have? I, you see, this is why I like, this is why I don't really like writing as fast as I am at the moment. I actually like the pace that I do when I'm writing three, four days a week. Um, you know, without though, um, well, sorry, two, two or three days a week. Uh, I actually like that pace because it just gives me, it gives me, um, is it fallow time? Is that the word? It gives me time when, when I'm just chugging the ideas. And I, I have to say, I like that. I do feel I'm pretty productive even when I'm writing at that rate. But, but at the moment, this is, you know, this is not going to be forever. It's just for this rapid release to squeeze as many books out of the rapid release as I can. Um, and there is method in my madness, which I will kind of reveal a little later in the year about all of this. But, um, 
you know, I just, I, 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 yeah, I got the writing done today, um, and I, I gave myself some time to think about it. I can't remember what point I was when I saw the story. I got the story. I thought, yes, got it. So I woke up at four thirty today, and I looked at the clock, and I thought, mm, should I, should I doze for half an hour? And the risk that I might sleep through. I thought, no, I'm getting up. I'm awake. I woke up well at four thirty. Bizarrely, I jumped out of bed, made a cup of tea. I just played around for, for half an hour. I didn't start writing till five. I just had some coming round time. And then I wrote for three hours solid from five till just after eight o'clock, just over three hours solid. And I wrote the three final chapters of two years after. And um, because I'd, I'd got the plot now, I'd, I'd sketched it out. It fitted everything I'd done. Really, really pleased with it. I was ever so excited by it. See, the, the problem was is I've done I've used a different ending in this book it actually doesn't have inverted commas a happy ending none of my stories have a completely happy ending there's always the suggestion that the you know the protagonists have got out of it and the suggestion that all the other problems they had around this story you know may well play out positively but I never have a in, in the romance tale, they have this happy ever after. It's never a completely happy ever after. Well, in this story, it's not happy at all. <laughs> and I've, I've just written my author notes explaining why I decided to have an unsettling end to this story. Um, it's inspired by a film called Funny Games I watch. It's, a, it's an, an Austrian film called Funny Games. And if you like thrillers, you don't mind watching foreign films. If you want to see a really unsettling film, watch Funny Games. And I wanted to leave readers with the same feeling that I had at the end of that film, in that just the last scene in that film, having watched the film, you've got to watch the film to get the last scene. But it's only a short scene. It's just an everyday event, but it's really unsettling. And you think, oh, my goodness, it's just, just such a brilliant end. There is a, an American version to the film, but the, the Austrian version is better. The, the foreign language version is better, in, in my opinion. Um, but I wanted, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to model that ending and leave you with this feeling of disquiet and being unsettled at the end, a bit of a shock ending. And, but, but to get there, I needed to have a, a sort of a crescendo to the action. And, and I couldn't, I, I'd written, um, I'd sort of plotted it beforehand, but when I got to it, I thought that's not right. That's not the right ending for this book. Um, anyhow, I'm I'm really pleased with the ending. I was I couldn't stop writing today. It was uh, how, how many words did I write? Five thousand six hundred. I, mean, I just couldn't stop writing today. It was really exciting. So very happy with the ending, um, and I brought it to the close that I need it to come to. So that is two years after uh, written. Now I'm going to come back to this book. So um, you'll know that I, as I've been writing this book, I've been going through it and doing a first redraft. So tomorrow, which is Saturday for me, I'm going to just do the last chapters that I've written today. And then I am going to, over the course of next week, I'm going to go through the book again. So a second time from me. And also my wife's been through this book because I had a crisis of confidence at the end with it. I said to my wife on Monday, had a really bad writing day. Could you read through this for me really quickly this week? And just, you know, put my mind at rest that it's a, it's a good book and that the story's okay. And that the only thing I, the, my only problem is the end. So she's done that. She likes the story. Um, she did give me, um, I got quite a harsh critique about two parts of it. Um, one of which I've resolved already. And the other, which I said, yeah, you, you're absolutely right. Um, that's fine. I, I, I take that on board. Um, so, and that's actually the first, the opening scene. So I'll put those right next week. They're not major rewrites. They, they were just fairly, fairly straightforward comments, easy for me to fix. And she was absolutely right about them. Um, but then I need to send that book to Julie Cordoner. Are you ready, Julie, for the next one? 
Uh, I, I said to Julie, I'll have that with her by the close of play next Sunday, but it'll actually be done on Saturday. So I'll probably send that off to Julie on Saturday, the 7th of September. And it's just a 50,000 word book that. And um, I'm writing that. That's a strategic book because I was looking at how to group my standalones together because I'd committed to standalones a year or two ago. Um, I wanted to be able to box set them off. So this is a female protagonist. And uh, actually, um, interestingly, Alyssa Grosso did a really um, interesting sequence this week on um, writing women in her podcast. And I've, I've recommended Alyssa's podcast before. And um it's like a house of horrors of men writing female protagonists. <laughs> Thanks for that, Alyssa. Uh, but she makes some really good points in it. Um, I don't, I don't think I'm guilty of this, of the points that Alyssa makes, because I, I obviously make sure my book gets looked at by, by women before it goes out. Um, but she's talking about some of the pretty stupid things men write when they write, write female characters. I, I don't think I do that. And I've not had criticism of a female character. So touch wood, touch wood. I'm okay. Um, but this is the third female protagonist book that I've written. And it, again, it's really, I've just, that's why it's a 50,000 word where it's strategic because it allows me to bundle it as a box set of books with female protagonists, which I could then market with some sort of branding on it. Seeing, seeing as it's not a trilogy, I could just market as female protagonist books. And I happen to know because I've been through Kalytics that that's actually a nice little niche, uh, female leads, which I didn't know when I wrote them. So, um, I should be targeting those books separately based on Kalytics research. So, um, that is very much a strategic, uh, book, kind of mopping up something that I created a couple of years ago when I wrote those standalones. And that now allows me to group my six standalones in two box sets of three. And they work really well then as a separate kind of package, uh, done like that. So that's, that's another thing done. Oh, so um, it feels good to finish that book, um, and, and I'm just going to be working through it next week. And just to let you know, with the editing updates, uh, last Saturday, 24th of August, I did um, chapters 18 to 20 of two years after. On Tuesday, 27th of August, in the evening after work, I did chapters 21 to 23 of that book. Wednesday, 28th of August, I did chapters 24 to 26 of that book. And on Saturday, the 31st of August, I was just looking at that date thinking that hasn't come yet, has it? No, it's tomorrow as I record this. I shall be running through my first pass edit of uh, chapters 27 to 29 of that book, plus my author notes at the end. So, and another, another pass of that book next week, and then it goes to Judy Cordner. Okay, so that means then that on Saturday and Sunday, I am completing my planning for Walker Bay 2. This is the book that follows Left for Dead, and I've got the titles now, and I've got the um, I've got the overarching plot, and I'm going to put all the flesh on the bones on Saturday and Sunday now with that story, and I've got the titles. So the titles now, um, if you remember, Left for Dead is the first story in the Morecambe Bay trilogy. Now I was going to write those as um, a series. I'm not, I'm not going to write that as a series. I'm going to write it as a trilogy. And originally, I intended to take a different character from book one and then tell a different story that, that, that basically brought one or two characters forward and then let protagonists from the first book step back, but they were still in the second and third books. What I've decided to do uh, is, with my, my mind that's so geared to trilogies, I've worked out how to create a plot arc over over three books now. 
um, with enough kind of drama, tension and, and different stories in there, which allows me to keep my protagonists and main characters as well. So um, that's what I'm going to do. It's now going to be a trilogy. And also, I like, you know, I know I can sell trilogies. But I, I think that if I if I write a series, I think the series that I write might be the book that I've written with Adam Nichols. I'll talk to you more about that in a moment or two. So now you see her, I think might be more suitable as an ongoing series my Walker Bay book, Left for Dead, is going to be turned into a trilogy. So um, book two is going to be called Circle of Lies. Book three is going to be called Truth Be Told. I'm going to be sending over the cover briefs to those books to Elizabeth Mackey at close of play on Saturday. So I've got a draft email done for Elizabeth. I've shown her my Stuart Bache covers. I've shown her some covers. Uh, she, uh, Elizabeth, by the way, did the cover for Now You See Her, which I think is lovely. Um, she's also done Adam Nichols. He's re-released through a trilogy of his, and I love the covers she's done for him. So I've sent her uh, my usual email saying, this is the mood and feel I'm after, giving her the titles of the book and the, the details I need on each book, the tagline on each book, my author name, and, and given her a sort of feel uh, for the books um, so that she could just go off and do her creative thing. So that has to be off on Saturday. I'm committing to those titles now, Circle of Lies and Truth Be Told, and that is going to be a trilogy. Saturday and Sunday, I will put the flesh on the bones of book two, and then I start to write to book two, the first 5,000 words of Circle of Lies on Thursday, the 5th of September. So busy, 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 busy. This is the rapid release schedule that I'm committed to. Um, and, and so long as I get that book pl planned out correctly, and I think because of the structure of it, it should be okay. Um, it's basically about um, it's about five deaths of prominent people within the this community in which the books are set. So in many respects, each death gives the book its internal momentum. Uh, so, so, you know, because of that, that makes it fairly straightforward. And the other day, actually, we were, we were having a lovely day out with the kids yesterday. Uh, we go to a big, um, sort of, not, not a fun fair, what do they call it? An amusement park in Scotland. It's just one of our things that we like to do before everybody goes back to, um, university and school and studies and whatever they're all doing. And, um, we always go where the Scottish schools have gone back because it's, it's like having a theme park to yourself. It's amazing. And we had a lovely day out there yesterday. And when I was driving back from Scotland, I had a, revelation but of these great eureka moments when I thought of a lovely twist for the book so I got the bare bones of that book I just got to put the um you know the flesh on the bones I keep using that phrase but I got to do that over Saturday and Sunday and then I start writing on Thursday now as if all that wasn't enough um there's so much more to tell you about all of this um I I sent out my monthly email on Sunday um to my list which was uh, via MailerLite, of course, and I was priming them for the rapid release of my book. So I was basically, the email now, I'm really going into marketing mode now, and I was just telling people uh, what's coming next. And then um, a little bit earlier than I expected, Adam sent me a message, Adam Nichols sent me a message to say, oh, now you see her is now on pre-sale. Um, so we can start to push it now. So at the time of recording this, I have um, had about a day or two of pushing it to my list via email, uh, both Adam and I have sent it to social media. I've been running some Facebook ads and Adam is going to send it to his list this evening. And already um, we're charting in the paid Amazon bestsellers rank. So at the time of recording this in the UK, um, and remember, we haven't even launched yet. This is just on pre-sale. We haven't done any, any promos or anything. It's just me sending it to my list and doing a, a, a Facebook promo and a 
Twitter promo. So um, we're 5,090 in the paid Kindle store in the overall bestsellers rank. But in our categories in the UK, um, th- these will probably go up, to be honest with you, but at the time of recording, we're 55 in kidnapping crime fiction, we're 1,374 in thrillers in the total Kindle store, and we're 61 in vigilante justice. In the US, we're 7,814 paid in the total Kindle store, we're 66 in domestic thrillers, we're 78 in kidnapping crime fiction, and we're 88 in vigilante justice. So I know Adam dropped me a note this morning saying he's pretty excited. Uh, he thinks that we might be able to squeeze a bestseller out of it, um, and that will be his fifth um, book with a bestseller tag on. So I'm just being completely guided by him. Um I'm clearly getting a masterclass from Adam in that this has given me access to everything that he's 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 doing. We're talking about the ads, we're talking about the techniques. He gave me a lovely little technique um which relates to my book book promos. I'll tell you about that in a moment or two, but he gave me a lovely technique for that which I wasn't aware of. So this is this to me is it's a masterclass. It's a a mastermind group with Adam because he's done this successfully. Clearly, we're working together. But also, incidentally, I gave him a trick the other day, too, which he hadn't thought of. So I'm using a little trick that I got from Rob Moore. So, (laughs) you know, this is how we all learn from each other. Just keep sharing. So I'll tell you what my trick is, and it's working quite well, actually. So when um, Rob Moore is this property guy that I listened to, and I recommended to you a podcast episode about the 5am club last week, and I listened to Rob Moore's stuff. He does a lot of stuff on money, which I'm really interested in, a lot of stuff on entrepreneurship. It's really good quality stuff. And just because it's not about writing doesn't matter. It's about entrepreneurship. It's about the skills that we need um, to run a successful indie author business. They're just general skills that we all need. And one of the things that I've watched Rob do over years, ever since he started releasing his first property books, is because he's got um, a list of subscribers, what he does um, is he often, I haven't gone quite as aggressive as Rob does, but Rob Rob basically comes up with a package of of um, sort of freebies and offers that he gives people. And he will say, when he does a book launch, on Amazon, he will say, if you buy, um, you know, one book, you'll go into a draw for something. Just send me your receipt and you'll go into a draw. If you buy 10 books at once, I'll put you into a bigger draw. If you buy 50 books, I'll put you into some amazing draw where you get a mastermind with me. So these are all high value things, but he encourages people to buy, like, buy loads of books. And because the value of what he's offering is, is immense. So it might be a course that you'd normally pay two thousand pounds for. And he says to you, you know, buy, buy a hundred books, which I don't know how much hundred books is, you know, say that's 200 quid. And, and you then go into a draw for a two thousand quid course, something like that. Um, he, he does, he does all these incentives. So he's shifting books and he gets to the top of the charts. When you get to the top of the charts, people see you, you get the Amazon algorithm and they all start to push you. So I'm doing this in a smaller way because uh, <laughs> I might have to give people a pile of books to have like a mastermind with me. I'm not quite in Rob's position. So I, I've basically said when I sent, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push this because I, I did it gently in, in my first email and it's worked well. People are starting to do it already. So I'm going to keep doing this. I've basically said there's a $25 Amazon gift card up, up for grabs at the end of September. So I'm giving, giving myself a month for it. Um, if you buy any one of my books over the next month or, or, you know, you get an entry every time you buy a book, then I'll put you into a drawer at the end of September for a $25 Amazon gift card. So if you buy all five books I'm releasing in that time, it's cost you less than $5 and you still get a chance to get a $25 
voucher. So people have started doing this. They're sending me their receipts. And the, the other thing about this, of course, is it helps me to build a relationship with my readers. Because as people are buying the book and sending me their receipts, I'm sending them a personal letter back. And, um, and it's allowing me to chat to people who I didn't know you know, personally, I didn't have a personal reaction to. So it, it it immediately feels good to me that. Now, the other thing about this is is it's an inducement and encouragement that I am allowed to do on Amazon and that I can't induce people to um, to review my book. I can encourage them, but I can't give away books to encourage people to review it. But I can encourage them to buy my book. That's absolutely fine. So if you only spend 99 cents on one of my books and you go into a drawer for a $25 voucher that's pretty good but over the course of the sales of course i'm gonna you know i'll more than make my 25 dollars back but the key point here and this goes back to what one of the things adam told me in the interview that we, we recorded that he felt that one of the reasons that the amazon algorithm picked him up as well as sales was because he was sending a lot of traffic to the page so i'm looking at ways of sending traffic clicks to that amazon page because i want amazon to pick us up in the algorithm. So um, it's working well. I'll let you know how it goes. But you see, over the course of, I'm going to have five book releases in that time. Um, you know, so I'm going to big, make big this up saying $25 Amazon card, uh, just send me your receipt when you buy a book and I'll put you into the draw at the end of the month. And then I'll get two months out of this because I'll do another one in October. I didn't want the the end date to be too far away. I wanted to feel, you know, people to feel they got a chance of winning this. Now, all, all that is really, if you're going to buy the book, you buy the book, regardless of whether I'm offering a $25 uh, gift card. And I just view it as advertising. Uh, how many sales would I make if I advertised on Bargain Books or something like that? So it's just a $25 dollar advertising budget as far as I'm concerned um to say and, and it will send more traffic at the page because if people if, if people think they might win a 25 dollar voucher uh gift card uh, that it might make them make that click whereas they might not have looked at it that's really what I'm trying to get I want the click I want the traffic for Amazon to see that that we're sending lots of traffic to it uh and if I make a sale even better of course so I'll do it in October as well but over the course of the 10 11 books plus that I'll be I'll be releasing week after week after week um that should send a nice little bit of traffic and also bottom line is is it helps me to thank and reach out to people who are buying the books um and build, build that relationship with them so, um, you know, everything's kind of firing off here. I've got, uh, I'll tell you about my Facebook ads in a moment. So I've got Facebook ads running at the moment, book ads running at the moment. I'll talk to you about that, all of that in a moment. <laughs> but it's very busy at the moment, as you can guess. So I will um, talk you through next week. It's going to be a long one. So next week, I'll do a Saturday diary episode. And then I'll do an extra Monday episode. That extra Monday episode, I will tell you exactly where I'm up to with my rapid release plans. They've changed because of some things that happened this week. Uh, and I'll give you access to the spreadsheet so you can see exactly how everything's laid out on paper. You'll see the whole strategy there. And would you believe you'll be able to see my rapid release strategy that's going to take me through potentially to about, I think it's April of 2020. So that's all coming up next week. And of course, in next week's diary, I'll let you know where we're up to because I'm fairly hopeful that Adam and I, you know, might be able to make top 50, maybe even top 10 on the best sellers ranks in between now and then before we even launch. So I'll keep you up to date with all of that in the diary. As if all of that wasn't enough, let's move on to general news now. Would you believe I've just got my fourth book bub on Don't Tell Meg? 
Uh, the timing is absolutely perfect. So I submitted two book bubs this week. One was for Don't Tell Meg. One was for The Grid One. So I've had a book bub on The Grid One. I submitted it last month, got knocked back. I submitted it this week and I've been knocked back. So that's two knockbacks on The Grid One. I'm not at all bothered about that because, again, you'll know if you listen to this diary regularly, I do want to rapid re-release my sci-fi books at some point. But as um, as you'll see next week when I go through my rapid release plans, I'm just completely embroiled in thrillers at the moment. So um, I just haven't got the bandwidth to do the sci-fi. But my aspiration with the sci-fi is to get another book bub, either on the grid one or the secret bunker, just to bring in a couple of thousand pounds. And then that's good to pay for new covers for the sci-fi books. Um, and then I will um, do a, a light re-edit on them. I think really the only one I... Uh, the Secret Bunker has been fully re-edited very recently. Phase 6 has been properly re-edited. I think I just want to come back to the grid 3 and just do a... I'd like to do a personal re-edit of that. And then I, I'd get it checked by an editor after I'd done that. So I just want to revisit the grid 3 before I do rapid re-release. But I have no bandwidth for that at the moment. So my aspiration is to just keep trying for a book bub with my sci-fi to get another book bub to put the money in the pot and then to get some covers made so that the whole of my seven sci-fi books secret bunker those three books phase six and the grid trilogy so that they're all part of a series and they are and to be honest with you i might actually get another three covers done because there's a notional um, last three books which involve time travel which wraps that series up goodness knows when I'm ever going to get to write to it but I, I might actually pay for all the covers get them all done as a job lot and then they'll be called you know part one part two part three there'll just be a whole series of 10 books at the end if I ever get to that point um, but, but at the very least there are a series of seven books which can be rapid re-released that ain't going to come until 2020 forget it I just don't have the bandwidth for it at the moment but that's what I want a book bub for and I'll get those covers as soon as I can um, to basically brand all of that series of books but forget forget that that's not happening until the new year at the very very earliest but I would like to get the money in and I would like to get the covers but that's what that money is for so it's not a problem that I haven't got a book bub on the grid one if I if I get it in the next three months so forget it about by end of November um, if, if I do get a book bub that'd be great because the money will be there when I need it it'll be in my pocket when I need it um, for the for, for the sci-fi but back to the thrillers um, I followed advice <laughs> last week and I took a risk and I submitted my book bub for my thriller, Amazon Exclusive. And I, now I'm going to give you a little tip here. Um, when I submitted the secret bunker to book bub, and I got this personal email back, I've just always assumed with book bub that you submit it, it goes into this big dark engine and, and it just kind of pops out the end and they either say yes or no. And it's just a standard email. But when I got the email back about the secret bunker, a month or two ago, and they said to me, it was more of a personal email saying, we don't think that science fiction is the right place for this. We want to put it in, what was it, horror? I think they put it into horror and apocalyptic, whatever it was. And it was a personalised email. And and there was some discourse there. There was some conversation. Rather than just saying yes or no, there was a conversation that took place. I got back to them and said, yeah, go on then. I asked them a question then said, go on then, let's do it. And And so what I thought this time is, I'm going to I'm going to write in the little note section. I I put it Amazon exclusive um international. It's going to cost $600 something. It's a lot of money, 500 and something pounds. Uh and which is what it cost last time I think. And I put in the note section. I would really like to put this Amazon exclusive 
um, because I've got a big Amazon exclusive rapid release coming up around the time that this promotion runs. But if you'd prefer me to do it wide, I'll list it wide. Just let me know. And when they accepted me for the promo, they sent me a personalized message saying, we're happy for you to do it Amazon exclusive. So the tip is, if you, it's worth putting a little personal note in there. And and again, I, I just said, I'll do it wide or or I'll do it exclusive. I kind of hedged my bets with it. Uh, I wanted to do it, uh, obviously, Amazon exclusive. So, um, you know, I don't know whether that's a tip or not, whether it might be useful to you, but just bear that in mind. Um, because frankly, they said to me, well, whatever, do it exclusive or do it wide. It's up to you. We'll take either. So, you know, clearly the book's got to get through first. But given that, there's some room for a chat there. Uh, and I didn't know you could do that with BookBub. So I, I hope that's useful for you if you're if you're submitting. So I said, let me just tell you what the comments are. I'll, I'll tell you it word for word. In my comments, I put, I am happy to keep this book listed with Barnes & Noble, Google Apple Books and Kobo if you prefer that. But if possible, I'd like to restrict this promotion to Amazon only as I have a series of new releases to come out um, only on Amazon. And this promotion would help me to give that a huge boost. Thank you, Paul. They said... This is their words exactly. We're happy to keep this exclusive to Amazon if that's what you prefer. So did you know there was wriggle room in a book bub? I didn't, and now I do. So I hope that's really useful. Now, whew, let me tell you about this and the impact of this thing. This this changes everything, which is why I, uh, I need to give you an, a rapid release update next week. The timing of this could not be more perfect. So if you think about it, um, now you see her is doing... All, doing all right already before we even start the promos to it, the email the email promos, or the proper promos to it. It hasn't even been released yet. So it looks like now you see it's going to be doing pretty healthily by the time we get to the release date of September the 9th. My book bub is scheduled for Monday, September the 16th, the week after now you see her, and the day I re-release Dead of Night, which is a book that also sells pretty easily. So on that day, hopefully my Amazon author ranking is going to have gone up already as a consequence of now you see her but also it's going to get rocket powered by this don't tell meg promotion and adam has given me some tips about using the pro the, the book promotion while you're doing a rapid release strategy to sell even more books so so what he suggested to me is when you do your book bub release, you, you basically tuck a couple of promos to your rapid release books. And he reckons, you know, you can get another thousand sales on your rapid release books from from just a book bub promo. So I'm going to be following Adam's tips to do that because this is only traffic. Um, the, the secret to the web, I think I've said this before. Uh, and this is this is basically the conclusion of everything I learned in internet marketing. The secret to doing anything online is traffic, web traffic, plus conversions equals outcomes. So all I'm doing at this is throwing loads of web traffic at it. I want eyeballs, eyeballs, all, I want clicks, click, click, click. That's what I want, okay? Now, I will make more money if I get conversions, if people buy, if people like what they see and they buy, that's a conversion. And then that gives me my outputs, which are, in this case, money in my pocket. Um, but also Amazon ranking and hitting that Amazon algorithm. So traffic plus conversions equals outcomes. That, that's the whole secret of the web. It's so easy, yet so difficult. But that's it. That's all we're trying to do. It's all we're trying to achieve. So let, let me tell you where that leaves me then. 
it, it has a very big impact on my rapid release budget because, as you know, I, I've budgeted already. I've got money in the bank already, or you know, money coming in um, to pay one hundred and eighty-five pound per book per launch for the first six books. That's all bills paid, and that's for the first six books. My my this book budget now uh, gives me considerable freedom because it now allows me to allocate £185 per book as a marketing budget for every single book I've got until the end of this tax year. So it would actually allow me to do more than that, but I need to budget within the tax year from when I earn the income and when I spend the income. So I can now pay for all, all my promo budgets until the end of the tax year, which is fantastic. So I, I again, I have budgeted extremely cautiously. I've looked at the income that I've had from the first three book bubs with Don't Tell Meg. Now, I made, I made the most money when I went to Amazon exclusive because I got loads and loads of page reads. And of course, this time I'm going to benefit from page reads. So um, I have budgeted extremely cautiously. So if you think that the first time I did a book bub on Don't Tell Meg and it was Amazon exclusive, I made £5,000 off that in the first, pretty well the first month of that. So I've said, I, I've just said, look, I'm going to make, I should make £1,600 out of that. From which I'm going to pay the £531 at the BookBub promo cost. I'm allocating another £500 for promotional sites. I'm allocating another £350 for BookBub and Facebook promos and another £100 for Amazon ads, which gives me uh, now... Um, so long as I make that money, which is should be should be pretty safe, I think. Um, you'd have to have a very poor BookBub promo not to make that money. So I'm you know, even even looking at what I've done with the sci-fis, which are always quieter, that money should be safe. It's a third of what I made um, on the first Amazon exclusive book, book promo. So that's ca- very cautious budgeting on my part. So that is basically going to bootstrap everything to do with the thrillers until the end of the tax year. So I can continue with my my book promos, doing everything I want to do for every week that I'm doing the the rapid release promos. So that's a pretty healthy budget to have to push all of the books so that book bub you know it couldn't have come at a better time for all sorts of reasons it's coming right at the beginning of a rapid release schedule it's going to push me you know even even regardless of me doing rapid release it's going to push me right up the top there it's going to uh, put wind under the wings of now you see her it's going to give you dead of night a really good start it really couldn't have come at a better time and the fact that it's amazon exclusive is even better because this is all about amazon all about um, Amazon this is so yeah it's quite I, I feel very sort of excited about that um, it just feels like everything's coming together uh, we're getting a perfect storm it, f- it feels like that at the moment it doesn't mean we're going to have any success but at least it feels really nice to go into a rapid release knowing that I got the funds to just keep paying for that uh, and remember I'm I'm assuming zero income from this so all I, I, I know from the book bub I, I, I'm so sure, you know, you never say never, do you? But I'm so sure that I can very confidently budget 1,600 quids worth of income from that book bub. I, I'm very sure about that um, because I've done how many book bubs have I done now? Six. Yeah, I'm very sure that I'm going to get that. I might not, in which case I'll tell you, but I'm pretty sure that's a safe number to budget. And that takes me through to the end of the tax year with my thrillers. All I got to do is just turn up, write the books, pay the editors, all the editing costs are in there the cover costs are in there everything is covered for thrillers now 
um, until the end of this rapid release schedule, uh, until the end of the tax year, which is May, uh, sorry, April 4th in the UK, April 4th, 2020. Um, so that, that feels like a good position to be in. And the cash flow is good too, because of course, you know, the bills come in at different times and I, I need to cash flow that. I need, I need the kind of money. It's all right earning the money in Amazon, but I need it in my bank at the time I need to pay it. So the cash flow is also good for that as well. Okay, so another bookbub, a fourth bookbub. Uh, isn't it funny? They seem to, they like Don't Tell Meg. They quite clearly like Don't Tell Meg. Um, presumably it works well for them, or maybe it's the fact it's got, is it 170 something reviews in the States now? Um, and, and they average uh, four stars on that book. Um, you know, so I don't know what it is. Um, they, they, they like that book. It's a, it always feels very frictionless with Don't Tell Meg. Always feels a bit harder with the sci-fis. Uh, but but then both of my sci-fi's they both had a a book bub now. Um, I always think that the first challenge is to get the first book bub. That's the biggest challenge because once you've done it once, you know that the the core book is fine. Um, and and the other thing about getting a book bub is that you get more reviews on a book. So it, it, I've never had a massive number of reviews until I've done book bubs. So that you know the secret bunker and the grid they had a reasonable number of reviews in, but only I can't remember what it was, but only sort of twenties, something like that. It wasn't a lot of reviews, um, and obviously I get more reviews as a consequence of being in book bubs. So in that respect, given that with very few reviews on it, that they're happy to promote it, the fact that I've got more reviews on it. At the same level, it hasn't dropped me down to a one star or anything like that. It's kept me where I was before with the review levels. Um, you know, that, that should make it more attractive, you would think. So anyhow, well, you know, we'll see. I'm going to keep plugging away at the grid and the secret bunker for future book bubs. But, um, you know, I got to tell you, <laughs> don't tell Meg has been very good to me. You know, don't tell Meg has fueled my business for the last two years. A simple trilogy, one trilogy has fueled my business for the last two years. It's brought all the income I need to do everything that I needed to do. It's um it's been a good little book that um it's been very kind to me. So isn't it interesting? You only need one um you only need one set of books or one book to to be that earner for you. And it's why I'm going to keep telling you. I'm going to keep telling you this. You know, I'm not I'm, I'm not a Mark Dawson style of author. I'm an in between the author, but I have lived off that book now for two years. That that trilogy. I'm going to keep telling you write a trilogy. Uh, don't make it a long one. Just get a trilogy out there. And um, because you, you've got all the marketing permutations you need, you know, and be, and the fact that I've had that trilogy and it's now brought me in my fourth book, bub, which is going to be what, you know, that's going to take me up to about 20,000 of income, um, you know, just from book bubs from that book. Um, you know, that gives you a lot of maneuverability as an author to pay for editors to, to bootstrap your business. And if I hadn't had those book bubs, I wouldn't have had that cash flow. You know, it would have been hand to mouth all the time. Um, I'd have had to keep doing the corporate courses that I do to bring the money in. But that book has taken care of it for me. And, and, and the associated increase in sales that you get several months after a book bub, you know, they're not as high as they are immediately after a book bub, but they keep your income up all the time. Um, so I'm going to keep telling you, uh, <laughs> get a trilogy out there right? Don't make them long. Make them 75k to 90k. Get them out there. Get them on BookBub. Get the first book of BookBub and do the pricing stuff that I'm telling you how to do. Now, you know, I know there are other authors making zillions of pounds who'll tell you all sorts of other things, but if you're in the trenches and you're just trying to get this going like I am, it works. Uh, And, you know, it worked with the grid and it worked with the Secret Bunker Trilogy too. You know, it works. 
Um, and the book length is fine. You know, you can price them fine. It's attractive for BookBub. Um, you know, the secret bunkers were 50,000 words. You know, I've told you that I think my sweet spot now is 75. But when you, when you're looking at book length, you've got to think, I think you've got to think like a business person. This is just my view, you know, as a midweight author who's not doing that well. You've got to think like a business person. It takes you twice as long to write a 150,000 word book as it does to write a 75,000 word book. You can sell a 75,000 word book at full price. This is just a business decision about book length. It's more cost effective to write a book at 75,000 words that you can sell at 499 because it's counted as a few book, as a, as a, as a, as a full book because it costs you less for the edit. Uh, you can get it out quicker. Um, if you've got three books, you've got a trilogy, you could do all the permutations I keep talking to you about with book bubs, book one for free. It sells books two and three. I just think, you know, I'm going to keep saying it and it's going to take a lot to make me change my tune on this, but I'm convinced that, you know, if, if anybody was saying to me, what does a new author need to know? I'm convinced that's it. Um, uh, you know, that's me speaking. I, I, I can't imagine what it would take for me to change that. The only other thing I think that would work better is if you, you know, if number one, you hit a book right out the park from book book one, you got lucky. You did a Paula What's a Face girl on the train. Uh, you know, you wrote a book. No, that wasn't her first book, of course. Paula Hawkins. That wasn't her first book, of course. But you know, you hit one straight out of the park, um, and it becomes a sensation. You know, it's a Fifty Shades of Grey. So you've always got that, and that's that's a lightning strike event. That is, it doesn't happen to most of us. You know, it happened to one in a million of us probably. And and so that's one event, but you can't bank on that. That's probably not going to happen. If it does, beautiful, but it's probably not going to happen. And then. You've got writing series, and the problem with writing a long series is, and and I, and as you know, I haven't tried series yet, but the problem I think with writing a series is that it might tank. If you commit to seven books in a series, and by book three you're thinking this isn't going to work, this isn't working, they don't like this, you've made that commitment, and you and you're you're kind of stuck with it, and that's why I don't like. That's why I haven't done series yet, even though, even though uh, there's a little sort of little imp on my my um what is it my shoulder <laughs> i'm just trying to think of my body parts my shoulder that's what it is but i'm pointing to it you can't see it uh, my shoulder there's a little imp on my shoulder saying try series try series yeah yeah i know i know that and if you look at larise ross for instance lj ross she's got this amazing series that's making her a fortune but i i still i still can't help feeling i, I mean i think Louise ross had amazing success again out you know straight away she had very early success and so if i was lj ross i would keep writing in a series too i'd do exactly what she's doing she has an extremely successful formula but i think probably she 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 got that from day she got that early in her career uh you know for for whatever reason like lightning struck and obviously they're good books and they hit their audience but i think for you know for most people for an every man every woman solution the trilogy thing works trilogies at seventy five thousand words work they work for speed they work for pricing they work in case you write something that's a heap of pants and and it won't sell because you can come back to it quickly you haven't invested years of your life you can say okay that took me a year to write a trilogy that didn't work it was rubbish you know people don't like it let's come back and write another one um you get you can throw yourself back in the ring and start doing it again anyhow that's a bit of a rant that that's i mean that's you know take it all with a pinch of salt take it with a pinch of salt that's just my opinion based on my experience for what it's worth. So um, other news, I've got so much news. I told you it was going to be a long one. Um, I've been invited onto the self-publishing, let's try and say it correctly, the self-publishing spotlight podcast to record with Tom Ashford this week. This is the 
Mark Dawson sort of spin-off series that I've told you that I'm enjoying at the moment. I heartily recommend it to you because Tom talks to authors at about our level, uh, people who are either on the borderline or not quite making a full-time income yet. And I, I find it really useful. We've always we've always got to look at people like Joanna Penn and Mark Dawson. They are the dot in the distance that we're aiming for. We want to be them when we grow up. But often their experiences aren't our experiences. So it's really good to hear from authors who are in the trenches, who are just struggling even to, to get by to create an income on it. So um, I'm going to be on that uh, podcast. I submitted my details. Uh, Tom contacted me this week. I'm recording on Tuesday. I don't know when it'll go out. I think he, he gets them out pretty quickly. So it might be next Friday. It might be the week after. Uh, so look out for me on the self-publishing spotlight. And um, I, I thought I'm going to set a goal, incidentally, uh, on this podcast right now. So self-publishing spotlight is is the sort of Mark Dawson spin-off podcast uh, for people who are in the trenches, who aren't kind of quite the self-publishing sensations to go on the main podcast. I'm going to set an informal goal right here, right now, to say that when I grow up, my aspiration is to be a guest on the main podcast, you know, where, where uh, James Blatch interviews you. So I want to graduate from the like the, the beginner's wheels when I've got safety wheels on with Tom to the big podcast, um, the Mar- main Mark Dawson podcast, because that's where they have the big author. So that's just an informal little goal I'm going to set myself um, right here, right now. It's not going to be like this burning ambition, but I just thought that's a nice little goal to have that is to aspire to be you know, to have a breakthrough so that you're worthy of being on the main uh, podcast to give all your secrets of your inverted commas success because you've got to add that to be on the main podcast. I want to give you some giveaway update details because, um, well, I could pretty well give you the numbers now. You, you've got all the numbers that you'll need. I'll, I can give you the final numbers next week, but th- these are the numbers as of Friday. I think we've only got maybe half a day. Um, I'm not sure what time they all close in the States, um, but uh, you'll, you'll instantly get a, a sense of this. So as you know, I've been running a book fun- my own book funnel giveaway this week, my own prolific works giveaway, and my own storage- story origin giveaway. Plus this week, I got the results from my Book Sweeps Thriller promo. So this allows me to give you um, a complete comparison about all of these promotion sites. And remember, the aim of this has been to top up my Thriller subscribers um, prior to doing rapid release because a lot of people are going to get fed up with me because I'm just going to be thrashing my list with sales messages. You know, that's fine by me. Um, It's not for some people. It will be for others. Um, And if people unsubscribe, that's fine by me. Uh, I want people who are serious buyers who like my work. We're, We're aiming for a thousand true fans here. So, let me tell you the numbers. I can't I can't tell you precisely the sign-ups from each channel, but I, let me give you an indication. On BookFunnel, my book, my my personal book, uh, got 395 claims. I can't find a way. I had a look at BookFunnel. I can't see whether I could track that to actual subscribers. I couldn't actually see them from BookFunnel. But it was 100, 395 claims. Pretty good, I would say, from BookFunnel. It's driving good traffic still. On Prolific Works, my book got 155 claims, so substantially fewer claims, and it resulted in 86 email signups. So the problem now is because we've got GDPR, those um, Book Funnel and Prolific Works used to force people into a signup. And to be honest with you, I think that maybe got you poor quality signups. I think the good thing about GDPR is that now, because it's up to people whether they sign up for your email list, I think you probably get better quality signups these days. So 
it, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other. So 395 claims on BookFunnel, 155 claims on Prolific Works, 86 email signups. Now, story origin is the big surprise to me. So if you'd have asked me beforehand, I'd have expected BookFunnel to be best, um, Prolific Works to be second, and Story Origin to be third. But Story Origin lets me see how many email signups I've had from it. And I've had over Story Origin. Remember, I was thinking of ditching Story Origin because I couldn't get enough subscribers on the list. But Story Origin gave me 171 signups in 10 days. That's pretty good. I'm pretty happy with that. You compare that's twice what I got for Prolific Works. Now, Story Origin is free at the moment. And on Story Origin, I only had, I can't remember how many books it was. Was it 10 or 15? I only had a handful of books uh, of people to team up with. But because they all had lists of about 2,000 or more, I figured, what the heck? I'm going to get some traffic from this. We might as well go for it. So if I put those in order of ranking, Book Funnel first, Story Origin second, Prolific Works third. Um, But all of them, well worth doing. There's nothing I would say don't bother with there because um, that's given me a lot of new signups. Incidentally, I've just had to pay extra in MailerLite. You get what you wish for, don't you? Because uh, I've just exceeded 5,000 subscribers now. Um, I've intentionally kept it below that, but I I needed to build that subscriber list uh, up to 5,000 and beyond if I could because I'm just about to obviously start thrashing that list with my rapid release. So it was just topping it up a little bit. So I've now broken the 5,000 subscriber mark in MailerLite. To be honest with you, I, I don't work very hard at building my list. Um, uh, but it's, you know, obviously quite timing, good timing, but I've just had to pay more in MailerLite. So I might prune that just, just below the 5,000 mark. Um, I might find a way of pruning it. Uh, you know, maybe just get rid of a few people who haven't opened emails for a while just to bring that down below, just on the, the cusp of 5,000. So I don't have to pay extra. I'll have a look at it and have a think about it and see. Um, but I think really the big news from that is that story origin is well worth a look. It's well worth a look. I, I really love the interface of story origin. Uh, very, very impressed with what they're doing there. Uh, please check it out. It's in a beta period at the moment. So it's all free. I don't know what they'll charge for it. Um, when it comes and they do other things that I haven't done. They, they organize, um, author mailing list swaps, which is, as you know, I've been very reluctant to do. Um, I, I don't really don't want to do that. I, I was thinking the other day, I might suggest to Adam that he and I do a mailing list swap at some point because we've co-authored a book that feels like a really good relationship to do a, a list swap with because we've both got four previous form with our subscribers, but I don't think I don't want to do any list swaps with authors that my people, my list don't know, but I'll have a chat with Adam about it. I think, because I think he and I could do a nice little, um, a little swap. I'm sure it will work quite well. So good news as far as the subscribers are concerned. Let me also give you some advertising results this week. As you know, I've been doing Facebook lead form adverts, which I told you last week I'm getting on really well with. Um, I like the new interface on Facebook. It makes it really easy to do that. Now, um, I've turned these off now because Adam sent me a note to sell the books live now. There's no point me sending to lead ads when I can get, I can send them directly to the sales page. So, so, um, and also those lead ads were costing me slightly more. So what I've gone for is I switched the lead ads off for now. Because I don't have, if I need to change the message on the lead ads, if I'm going to send people to, um, now you see her. So I haven't got time to do that at the moment. So I've just switched the lead ads off. But I can tell you that I got 42 leads for lead ads and they were costing me 35 pence per lead. That's not an astronomical amount. I'd like to get it a lot lower than that. Because generally with lead ads, you're looking at the lifetime value of a customer. You're hoping that uh, if you think how many thriller books I've got now, if I pay 35p, 
what you really want is for them to buy, for instance, at least Don't Tell Meg trilogy. And if they buy the Don't Tell Meg trilogy, I've made profit on them at 35p a lead. So I I can afford 35p a lead if I sell them the Don't Tell Meg trilogy, which does sell, you know, pretty easily and pretty well, to be honest with you. So now I've got, now you see her up for grabs. Now it's actually up for sale. Um, I need to change the marketing message on those lead ads. So I might do that, but I just need to have time to do that to make the, the message and the automation sequence correct. But 35 people lead is not bad at all if I can make a sale on Don't Tell Meg trilogy to them. And then I make my money back straight away. So I've switched now to Facebook ads on Now You See Her. And I'm now going straight for a sale. So in the last couple of days I've done this, I've had 115 clicks to the Amazon sales page. Um, and uh, I'm getting 10 pence per click. So I've spelt, spent £11.47 on Facebook ads going directly to the Now You See Her sales page, and I've had, um, I'm have i getting 10 pence a click. Uh, now, remember, uh, that's a bit of a loss leader because Now You See Her is priced at 99 cents or pence. I only take 35 pence, uh, sort of 35% of that, which is peanuts. So I am running at loss leader at this level, but I, I'd taken you back to what um, Adam said in the interview where I quizzed him about his £100,000 success. And he felt that sending lots of traffic to the page was a key thing that he did to get picked up by the algorithm. So I'm happy to pay that amount for some sales um, and for massive traffic. Incidentally, I've also got, when I was testing Amazon ads, I've got a don't tell Meg, uh, uh, promo running at the moment too and that don't tell meg promo is running at 12 pence per click i'm getting and i've had 211 clicks there to the don't tell meg sales page and uh, once again to be honest with you you know to a certain extent with this i just want to send traffic to pages i just want to make sure that i'm safe with facebook that they're not going to pull me again and you know touch wood again it's looking good so far but also i tell you what i am using these ad, uh, adverts and they're working really well um they're certainly getting the clicks i'm using the images from bookbrush they they make lovely images uh, where people are reading the book and you you could look at your book in sort of 3d image form in different environments and i'm finding those images are working really well for me um on facebook so again that's another recommendation for bookbrush if you haven't tried it you need to get the paid version of bookbrush though to make those images I'm trying all sorts of things. I mean, you know, this really is like the crazy laboratory of a, sorry, the laboratory of a crazy professor. Sorry, an editor would have words with me about the ordering of that sentence. It's like the laboratory of a crazy professor, not the crazy laboratory of a mad professor. That doesn't work, does it? So, uh, but it is like that at the moment because I'm trying everything because I, you know, I heard, I heard, I'm, I'm treading in Adam's footsteps. I want to replicate everything he says. And he said, throw traffic at the Amazon sales page. So I'm doing that. This week, a little advert popped up in Facebook saying about Bing ads, come back to Bing ads, they're cheaper. So Bing is what Microsoft do as adverts. I've used them before in the past. I've got an account. I am now advertising on Bing. Would you believe I'm just sending keyword ads to the book, to the sales, well, to the sales page. I can't, I can't actually send it direct to the sales page. I've set up a landing page. Um, using Thrive Themes, which is something I'm going to talk to you about next week when I talk about my tech toolkit. Um, I've created a nice landing page, which I'll, if I forget to put it on the resources, somebody just tweet me or email me and remind me. Um, but I'll show you the page that I'm sending that traffic to. And I know this just sounds like crazy at the moment because I'm putting every single bit of learning together that, that I've ever had for this. I'm really pulling out the stops for this. The, the traffic that I'm sending with Bing ads, I'm paying for. 
I'm se- I can't send them directly to the Amazon sales page. That's against the TNCs. I have to send them to a page on my website. That page on my website, I am creating a custom audience in Facebook. So even if they don't buy it, I can still retarget them on Facebook. Now, if you're listening to this thinking, oh, what's he talking about? This is all crazy stuff. Those of you who sort of follow the basic marketing techniques that we do, um, you know, you'll know this is good practice. So I get a second bite of the cherry. If, if I pay for Bing advert traffic to one of my pages, they don't buy, that's fine. I still get to retarget them in a Facebook campaign and I can still send my adverts for that book to them and subsequent books that I am selling. So I kind of get several bites of the cherry there. Now, just to let you know, I'm having problems with the Bing ads at the moment. They're not working at the moment. So they're not um, displaying for some reason. So I'm working with with Bing to get that going. Um, but when, when they get going, I'll, I'll give you some metrics on it. I'll let you know how I'm, how I'm doing. But I'm only putting a small spend on it, a uh, very small spend, very small bids. I'm just using it essentially to send some traffic to my page. I have also done exactly the same with Google Ads. So you know that I did some Google Ads um, earlier in the year. What I found with Google Ads is it sends loads of traffic, but I wasn't, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't see that it was sending me sales. So I'm happy to, s- I put a low bid on Google. I've got some, I've, I've got my best converting audiences that I used during those ad- uh, that advertising campaign. Um, I, I've, I'm retargeting. This sounds crazy, doesn't it? I, I've been retargeting on Google. I always recommend when I do my corporate training, I say to people, retarget on Google, retarget on Facebook. Those are the best opportunities for you to retarget so i always have the retargeting code on my author sites so i've built audiences on my author sites there so i'm retargeting on google with display ads and i'm using keywords to get those adverts out i've only put a low budget on it about two quid a day i've put low bids on it and i'm just sending traffic to the that's what i'm sending traffic from google to my page that traffic is getting cooked for Facebook ads, even if they don't buy it. Um, it's sending traffic to the Amazon page where they click to, to buy now. So, you know, it's just traffic, 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 traffic. That's what I'm trying to do. So I know it sounds crazy. I'm just throwing everything I've got at this. Um, I'm also running BookBub ads. If that hasn't made you tired, uh, I'm running BookBub ads too. Now, I, I've been through Dave Gochran's book. And to be honest, with you, I, don't, I, I don't think I got time to do everything in Dave's book. But I, I did fairly foolishly to be honest with you I, I kind of did the principles this week and fairly foolishly I threw $50 at, at BookBub and <laughs> burned it off in a day I got five clicks it cost me $10 a click all right so could, if we just have can we just have a moment's silence please in respect of that $50 I just wasted but I just wanted to try kind of Dave's philosophy with this but I, I don't have the advertising budget or the appetite to do that. Now, I will tell you that I had some in BookBub before I even read Dave's thing. I had some nice little audiences going. I was targeting some nice little authors. I was spending some small amounts and I was quite happy with my click-through rates. So I'm going to go back to my technique. Basically, Dave tells you to um, to pay for um, impressions. When I was an internet marketer, I never paid for impressions. I always paid for clicks. And in Dave's book, he tells you, most people say, pay for clicks. I'm going to tell you to pay for impressions. I paid for impressions. And as is my previous experience, when I went through all those early learning experiences in internet marketing, you know, everything everything in me tells me not to pay for impressions. It tells me to pay for clicks. So I like to pay for clicks. 
because I can track my return on investment. So, um, Dave, I, I bow to your better judgment, to your experience. But in this case, I ain't got time to mess around with this. I have some audiences in BookBub that worked for me with Don't Tell Meg with Thrillers. They weren't burning up $50 a day. They were giving me a good conversion rate. So I'm going to go back to what I was doing. And I, But incidentally, I have also um, found some new targets. I have half used what Dave's saying. I just can't afford to do the burn up where, um, where he does his cost per click and how he, he tells you. I haven't got the time to do that just yet. Um, I will come back to it, but I haven't got the time to do it, nor have I got the budget to do it. I, I can't face burning up my budget um, for things that I know will work or at least send traffic at an affordable amount to burn it up testing Dave's thing. So I'm going to revert to cost per click. I'm going to use the audiences that were working for me before. So I was getting a good click through rate. Um, and I wasn't burning my budget up in a day. And I'm going to, I've deployed a lot of the techniques that Dave mentioned about finding new targets. So I'm going to use those new targets, but I'm going to stick with cost per click uh, because I can't afford to, I just can't afford to burn it up on impressions while I'm experimenting at the moment. So uh, BookBub ads running too. So it's going to go, I mean, this is just crazy, isn't it? I mean, at the moment, the other thing is that Adam Nichols has actually, Adam Nichols has booked us for a e-reader news today the bargain booksy promo so those are email promos they're going to go where the book actually formally launches on the 9th of september i have also booked this week what am i booked for what it's a new one i wanted to try what's it called book doggy um i was researching websites that would allow me to promote on them for a reasonable price before i've got reviews and so book doggy i can't even remember where i found it now but book doggy was one of those sites and uh, it looked pretty good. So I've paid $20 for a book dog- doggy promo as well. So Adam and I are going to have three email promos. We're both going to be long- uh, paying for Facebook ads. Um, I'm going to be paying for Amazon ads. I haven't set those up yet. I hope to do that this weekend. Amazon ads to now you see her and all my all the books that I launch. Google ads, Bing ads. Oh, and the other thing i got to tell you is I tried eBay ads this week. So I got retargeted in Facebook and eBay are now doing advertising. So I did that this week and I set up adverts to now you see her on eBay. I can't use eBay adverts. Um, and I'll give you a Reader's Digest version of this because this is we're over an hour now with this diary. With eBay ads, uh, first of all, they knocked back my advert because it was going directly to an Amazon page. And I got a knockback saying, we can't run this advert because you're linking to Amazon and obviously it's a competitor so I thought oh that's fine I'll what I'll do is I'll do what I do on Google AdWords and I'll create I'll just send them this landing page that I've got on paulteague.net I think it is um the one that I'm using for Google Ads and Bing and that should be okay because they're, they're landing on my page and then they're clicking to Amazon but they even knocked that back they wouldn't let me have that so I, I got in contact with eBay and said look I can't if I can't send traffic from my page to Amazon I can't advertise on your portal if, if that's against your rules so I've asked eBay to refund me the small budget that I put on there, which they've said yes to. So um, I tried, but I can't do it. If I think of a clever way around it, I'll, I'll do it. So so basically, I could use eBay to sell direct. So do you remember what I was doing before when I sell, sold directly through Payhip? And I was, um, where was I advertising those? Oh, that's right. I was advertising them. I was taking part in book promotions on Book Funnel and Prolific Works. And I was uh, basically in those free books I was giving away. I had a big seven-pack box of books that I was selling directly and I sold quite a few of those uh, through Payhip. I can't do that at the moment because my books are Amazon exclusive. I'm not allowed to do that. Um, but I will come back to that because it was quite it was when I go back wide again, if I ever go back wide, I don't know how long I'm going to be Amazon exclusive now. But if I 
I'm sure I will go back wide, but when I go back wide, I can, I'm going to go back to pay hip and doing that technique. So I could do that on eBay, but I can't sell it directly through Amazon. They just won't let me do it. But I just thought I'd let you know that I tried, I tried this week and they won't let me do it. Oh, I'm exhausted. I've been, I was up, been up since 4.30. What is it? It's 12.30 now. I've been up since 4.30. How many hours is that? I've already done a day, haven't I? <laughs> I'm feeling tired now. I need a cup of tea and it's nearly lunchtime. I need some pizza. So um, let me finish this off now. Uh, this, I said to you, there's so much news with this. There's so much going on. Uh, this week, I bought Chris Fox's book, Ants for Authors. I just bought the paperback of it because last time, I think um, I bought one of Chris Fox's books as a Kindle, then realised you just need to buy the paperbacks and, and scribble in pencil and, and put stars next to things. Um, let me just tell you about this book. There wasn't There wasn't a huge amount in it. Um, in, in that it's a fairly simple book. If you haven't done any advertising before, if you're new to advertising, I certainly recommend that you get it. Um, I think you would be better off starting with Chris's book before you went for something like a Brian Meeks book, for instance, or is it Help My Facebook Ads Suck or Dave Gochran's book? Um, so I would suggest if you haven't advertised before, if you're new, and, and if all the things I've been telling you about in this last segment of the show, they're all completely gobbledygook to you. Start with Chris's book. Um, but if you know it, I, I, see, I, my view is you've got to read everything. And Chris Fox is somebody who I respect. So I, I, I got, I did get things off Chris's book, a lot of things off Chris's book. Um, and the big thing I got, uh, and I agree with him, you've heard me say this on the podcast before, Chris's bottom line is, am I making money? So he doesn't do all this, you know, download a spreadsheet, get some super hyper computer to calculate everything every two minutes of the day you know so brian meeks is too geeky for me um i recognize and bow to his kind of better judgment i understand that he's fantastic at amazon ads but his books make my head frizzle my brain frizzle my brain frazzle whatever it does it's already frazzled as you can tell so brian that's what you know so brian meeks doesn't sort of speak in a language that i can comprehend it's just too too mathematical too geeky for me it's just too much for me um even though I, i i understand that what he's saying is fabulous and right um Dave Gochran you know I like I like that I really think that book but ads book is good and Michael Cooper who wrote um help my Facebook ads suck is also an excellent book on Facebook and, and um Chris Fox refers to all of those books uh in his book but the bottom line for Chris is am I making money and that's always my bottom line as you know you know I throw whatever I need to at this but am I in profit um am I making more money than I'm spending that really is kind of the bottom line of any business is, am I making more money than I'm spending? You've heard me say it before. If I'm not, it's a hobby. If I'm making more money than I'm spending, then it's a business. It's in profit. So you know that's my bottom line. So it's really good to hear Chris Fox say, you know, really, we can have spreadsheets and steam coming out our ears while we're calculating this, that, and the other. But the bottom line is, am I making money? So I think even from just that point of view, that sort of very simplistic point of view, it's worth reading for that. Uh, he also just kind of cuts to the chase. He just cuts through everything and says, do this, do this, do this. This is this is what works. This is what works. This is what works. Just go on with it. Um, and he tells you that the important things that works and he gives you some strategies. It, it's a good book, right? What what, I'm, what I want to say to you is you know, don't expect... It's a really good book and you should read it. Um, but it's really good because of its simplicity. It's really good because it gives you a pathway without confusing you, without overwhelming you. You know, I would say if you were new to this and you read Brian Meek's book, I think you would say, oh, too much maths if you were new to this. Whereas you could read Chris's book, 
He will give you a pathway through Amazon ads, through Facebook ads, through book ads. He will give you uh, even something Reddit. I haven't even used Reddit, but he talks about Reddit as well in his, his book. He will give you a pathway which is simple and not confusing. So if you hate adverts, if you're really confused by them and you just haven't got the time, Frank, you just want to get going with them, you haven't got the time to mess around, make sure you get ads for authors by Chris Fox. I'll put a link to the book on the show notes for this page, for this week, I should say. Okay, this week's mentions. Um, I know that um, Edward Downward is a, a regular contributor to this section of the show. And um, I know that he was he was agonising, trying to beat um, Lucy Branch's picture of Croatia. And uh, to be honest with you, I think you've done it, Edward. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture this week. Do check out the show notes for this. I've put it on the show notes. And Edward, and I know he, he takes great care about this, but he's posted this week after a lot of thought and a detour. Uh, there's no expenses on this, Edwin, by the way. You can't submit your fuel expenses for taking these photos. Um, after a lot of thought and a detour to get a decent shot, here is a view of Mount Baker across the border in Washington State, USA, which, due to continuous venting, is considered by some as an active volcano. What a beautiful view that is. That isn't... Um, I'm just looking at that thinking that reminds me of something. That isn't what they use on the... Who is it? The movie shot. You know the movie screen? That isn't the, the mountain they use for that, is it? Mount Baker. It looks just like the... I'm trying to remember what the, the movies are. It's not... It can't be 20th Century Fox. That's the gong. Who does the lion? Somebody does the lion. And then somebody does the mountain in the background. It looks just like that. Have a look and see if you know what I'm talking about. But thank you, Edwin. I do think that that is a really nice shot. Thank you very much for doing that. But remember, we don't pay expenses on this show. Okay, uh, that's it for this week's podcast, Ari. You can tell the reason why I didn't add my tech toolkit to this episode. We're running over an hour. It would have been a huge episode and too too much for anybody. So ever listen to this one on Saturday, and then I'll drop my tech toolkit for authors in on Monday, the 2nd of September. And I'll be sharing the tools that I use in my indie author business and the reasons why I recommend them to you. And I think the reason that these episodes are worthwhile is if you're new to to the profession, if you're picking me up and you're thinking, I don't know any about anything about this, you know, hopefully what it allows you to do in just one episode is to just find all the tools rather than having to go through the four years of learning that I've had to do. You'll just be able to listen to the episode and just get all the tools you need to get going really fast. You can cut out the learning time. Um, but I also explain why I use them. There's reasons why I use certain tools and do things certain ways. And I explain those in Monday's episode. As you would expect, it is a long episode. Sorry about that. It's information packed. I do recommend that you look at the show notes for the Tech Toolkit episode because I put all the links to everything, big list of the links uh, on that page. But I do think it was best that we separated it from this week's diary. Next week, you've got even more content coming your, <laughs> coming your way. I'm going to be bringing you up to date with my plans for rapid release um, and the rapid release of my books. So I think I'm going to split next week's diary and next week's rapid release update next week too. So I think what I'll do is I'll do the rapid release update, the the full episode, and share the link to my splat planning spreadsheet. I'll do. I'm going to release that on Monday the 9th of September. Which incidentally, it's the best day for it. Really, when you think about it, that's the day my rapid release starts. So I'm going to separate that out. And because I got so much author news for you at the moment, I'll share my author news with you um, next Saturday as scheduled. Um, but I don't think I, I don't want to put them together because there's so much, so many nuggets in there. I think if I just do really long episodes, I think you'll 
you'll get listening fatigue. I think it's better to split these episodes out. So I hope you agree with that. You've got loads of content coming your way. (laughs) Goodness knows where I'm going to find time to record it, but I'm sure I'll manage to squeeze it in. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you're finding all this uh, useful, sharing as much stuff as I can with you. I will have another diary update for you next Saturday. We've got my tech toolkit coming up on Monday the 2nd. We've got my rapid release summary and overview coming up on Monday the 9th of September. Loads and loads of stuff from me coming up. I hope that whatever you're doing, you have a great week of writing. I need a pizza and a cup of tea. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.